Okay, welcome to the Coonhound Collective Podcast. If you found this, as you know, we have our own platform. And before we ever get started with this very first episode that's released on our own platform, I just want to address any thoughts that may be out there. Me and Tyler are good. There's no issues there. And I want to publicly thank Tyler Duncan for allowing me to release my podcast under the Coon Hunting University platform. Tyler's helped me out in so many ways uh, as far as producing and editing and helping me get my feet underneath me with this platform. And it was just to the point that it was time for us to step out and do this on our own. Uh, I think the more more podcasts we have out there for our sport, the more we can promote, the more that we can get out there, the better it's going to make our sport in the long run. There's some great podcasts out there. If you're new here and you've never heard of the Coon Hunting University podcast, please go over there and look them up. They have some really, really great interviews and podcasts over there. If you follow me over from the Coon Hunting University platform, I truly appreciate it. And you will be getting much of the same that we already have been producing. We have some exciting interviews coming up in the future that uh, I think you're really going to enjoy. And our goal here is to touch all aspects of coon hunting and anything that would be involved to help promote our sport. Just stay tuned. I think you'll enjoy what we have going. And I'm excited to be releasing under our own platform. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more work on me to do it this way. But it was just to the point I think it was time. So again, thanks to Tyler Duncan and the Coon Hunting University platform for allowing me to get my feet under me there. I really do appreciate it, guys. And I hope you all enjoy what we have today and the episodes that we have going forward we really have some great ones coming so thank y'all have a good day the coonhound collective podcast is brought to you by conkeys outdoors because we support the people who support our way of life and cz welding and fabrication custom doll boxes built by hunters for hunters check these guys out today this is your host jason snurgrove and i will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coon Hound Collective Today on the Coon Hound Collective Podcast, this is going to be a little bit different podcast than what we've been doing. Tyler has something called The Shine Time. Josh Michaelis has Circle Points. And... We tried to think of a name for this, but it didn't come till after we had this recorded. So we're going to call this, we're calling a timeout. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're going to be sitting down with Daniel Schilling and Patrick Ball. They're two good friends of mine. They don't have a dog in a fight when it comes to competition hunting. They are strictly pleasure hunters. And if you see that red Toyota pickup truck pull up at a meat hunt, and they pulled that old red dog out called Frank. Just get ready to hand them your money, boys. Because he can get them treated. You're going to hear him talk about Frank and some of the trials they've been through with him. And what they're going through with him now. And their kennel name is Behind the Barn Kennels. And you may not think you know Daniel, but you actually do if you've been listening to this podcast anytime. Daniel is the one that's responsible for the music, my background music on all of my uh, soundtracks there. He is a uh, 
dobro player and a banjo player. We're going to talk about music, how music relates to coon hunting and in the Ozarks. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. This is a little bit different for me. I'm not used to the one doing most of the talking. Uh, I really like to let the guests talk and speak and Daniel and Patrick do talk and speak, but we, you know, kind of sit down and talk about this and I'll tell on myself here, I was so excited to go sit down and be able to do this with my friends like this, that you can hear us talk about, we're going to go pleasure hunting when this podcast is over. Well, in my excitement of getting my gear together and uh, getting ready to, to go meet them and sit down and get this podcast done, we're about three quarters of the way through the podcast and I realize I left my coon hunting light at home. Yes. Yes, yeah, tough to coon hunt without a coon hunting light, but we made it work. We did see a coon. The dogs didn't tree it, but we did see a coon. So uh, we were hunting a bunch of puppies and uh, some young dogs, and we had a good time either way. And we're going to get together and do this ever so often. And uh, I really appreciate those guys taking the time out to do this. And we hijacked somebody's sawmill office. I'm not sure who you are that owns the sawmill office, but I do appreciate you allowing us to sneak in there and and use that to get this podcast shot i really hope y'all enjoy this if you do head over there to apple and leave us a five-star review we really would appreciate that go over to the coonhound collective facebook page or instagram page and leave us a uh leave us a comment over there let us know that you're listening let us know that you like what, what we're putting out here we uh we have some things lined up in the future that we're trying to get all the logistics lined up to get done and i think the episodes that we have coming you really enjoy but first and foremost i hope you enjoy my friends daniel Schilling and patrick ball as we call a timeout on the normal coonhound collective podcast okay welcome to the coonhound collective podcast today today is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do uh i've got two guys here with me today that have become pretty good friends over the last little bit and they don't comp hunt they uh they pleasure hunt and if you have a meat hunt at your club and these two guys show up um just don't even put your money in because you, you're not going to win. They're they're going to uh, they're going they're going to take your money for sure. So today uh, I'll introduce my first guest, Patrick Ball. How's it going, Patrick? Oh, it's going good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, kind of what you do, and how you got into coon hunting? Oh, I grew up in the Osho here. Um, all through high school, went hunting with my buddy Daniel over here. I guess I was the only one stupid enough to keep going with him, so here we are today. Work at the feed store here in town, manage it now, um, and that's about the best we've had for coon hunting. Pick up all sorts of places to go hunt. People getting in there, coons tearing up for feed, and they say, come and kill them. Yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah, that's, hey, that's, a, that's a good problem to have, for sure. Yeah. Especially nowadays. So you get that list and they want to know where they're at on the list and why you ain't there killing theirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's, that's definitely a good problem to have. All right, my other guest is Daniel Schilling. You already know Daniel, but you may not know you know him because if you've uh, listened to the music that's on the podcast from the beginning, the intros, the outros, Daniel's responsible for that. So welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? I'm, a, I'm Daniel Schilling, and I'm from right around Neosho, Missouri. Uh, I've been, I'm 30 years old now. I've been, uh, I've been coon hunting 
basically as long as I can remember, I think my dad bought me uh, my first first black and tan when I was about seven years old, and uh, and I don't remember really a time in my life that I didn't have a dog, at least one around. So so I've been doing it doing it as long as I could anyway. Yeah. Well, um, go ahead before we get into the actual coon hunting part of this, because I think especially in the pleasure hunting part of it and being in the Ozarks, music plays a big role in that. And I, I can't thank you enough for the music that you, you give me that I've been able to use for this podcast. T- tell us a little bit about how you got music and Daniel is the banjo player, right? Right, yeah, uh, uh, banjo and then that dobro you hear yeah. there at the beginning. I did that too. Yeah, um, it is uh, bluegrass and coon hunting. I mean, they, they go hand in hand, especially in the Ozarks and really especially in Southwest Missouri. Um, there was so much local music uh, right around here. You know, every Saturday night you could find music somewhere, and you could go listen to bluegrass. And then uh, that's how that's how Patrick and I grew up. We'd go, I'd go play. He'd hang around while we were picking, and then afterwards we'd go hunting. And it was pretty common that uh, you'd be hunting with a group of uh, group of pickers, you know. And so, so uh, now I play and then coon hunt a little bit uh, with our guitar player. So a uh, group I play with is Borderline. And, uh, and Ty Dawson, he's, he's been with us some. And, and so, yeah, it's just a hand in hand. We're just, uh, we are just regular pleasure hunters that are just Ozarks hillbillies. Yeah. So what are some of the places y'all played at? Cause I've seen you some posts you put on Facebook. Um, we've been really blessed. Uh, the Lord has blessed us, um, in the last five to seven years. Um, we've been able to play, uh, the world famous station Inn in Asheville a couple times and, uh, we got to uh, play the lobby outside the Ryman, kind of open for Ricky Skaggs one time, and oh, that's cool. and uh, yeah, we we've got to travel the nation uh, anywhere from you know Louisiana to Iowa to out east. I mean, we we've got to got to really cover some tracks playing bluegrass, having fun. So. Yeah, well, that that's cool, and and I know that's going to resonate with people, especially. I, I mean, maybe not so people so much that people that are just diehard competition hunters, but people that's pleasure hunting any at all i know growing up we had a radio station back home and every saturday night at about seven o'clock they would have this segment that would that they would call well, let's go coon hunting literally on the yeah. radio station <laughs> and you would call in and people would holler let them go boys and they'd be letting the dogs go they'd do this for 30 45 minutes oh, wow it was yeah. i mean it was a big deal people yeah. sat around the radio and, and called in to do this so I know music has been a big part of Kuna, especially pleasure hunting. Um, also, y'all have a kennel call behind the barn's kennels. We do. Yep. So, won't you uh, go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about that? Well, uh, it was kind of a uh, at risk of sounding like we's too big for our britches, I think, because uh, it was hard for us to say, "Hey, we're going to call our our group of dogs a kennel." You know, we uh, we don't have any titles to put on them. We don't have anything like that. We are. We are literally uh, just people who like to go coon hunting. So, you know, I've heard it said that uh, the days of, of the pleasure hunters gone because there's no money in hides. Yeah. And uh, and and I, I see that because, you know, there's a lot of money-driven comp hunts now. But I've just, growing up, that wasn't something we did. We would literally go, um, we'd, we'd get on our mules and ride out, and it was something you do on a Saturday night. And uh, we still took it serious. I think that's the big thing is that uh, pleasure hunters are looked at where they, they don't take coon hunting serious. Yeah. And and so we still take it serious. And uh, we ended up, of course, we hunted a lot of a lot of junk dogs just like everybody else has. And uh, we kind of ended up in a roundabout way with uh, with uh, this stud dog, Frank, I've got now. 
and uh, absolutely love him. And we said, man, we got to do something. And uh, so we need to start our own line of dogs out of him. And so we're like, well, we got to we got to call it something. And Patrick, I think Patrick kind of came up with the idea. He said, man, he's just an old behind the barn dog. You know, nobody knows about him. And uh, so we come up with behind the barn kennels, and and nobody knows us, but we're we're still gonna hunt. We so that's why we like to go to them them meat hunts, you know. <laughs> well, and for for you that are listening, I, I'm telling you the the first time I met these guys, they they showed up at a, at our poundage hunt we had two years ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. two years ago, and they literally cleaned our plow. <laughs> um, and then this year they showed back up, and they literally cleaned our plow. <laughs> Um, this dog can treat coons. Frank had a couple good nights. Yeah, yeah, that's better than good. Um, I, I know I've mentioned where I live, the, the, the coons being pretty thin, but I, I'm telling you, this, this dog can treat coons. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, Frank, um, what you like about him, and uh, some of his traits that he has yeah so when we got frank um originally it started off i found just an old man down the road my dog had died and uh i thought i want to give one of these english dogs a try and so uh i i have no problem trying whatever breed i'd never had an english dog and so i got this old dog a uh, hawk and uh he was a uh as a windridge hawk i think was his name and didn't know anything about him and we started hunting him and and to me and patrick why well, he was all right you know he had a lot of holes in him but uh he was treeing some coons, and and then uh, my mom actually had a blue-colored English female that was a really good dog, and she said, I want to let her pups out of, out of these dogs, and so um, as with pleasure dogs, you know, we want to breed coon dog to coon dog, and we, we don't care what the papers say, whatever, it's, that's that's how we want to look at it, and so we got this litter, and uh, and I was like, well, I, I don't know if I want to keep one, I mean, I, I got Hawk, and, and my dad talked me into keeping one, he said, keep, keep one of them dogs, get the one you think acts the best, you know, and it was no time. I mean, that dog, I had him, I taught him to load in the box within a day and to lead and all this stuff. And I was like, man, this dog's smart as a lab. Mm-hmm. And I uh, hope, hope he's got the rest of it, you know. And so uh, Patrick and I took him out with Hawk. I think he was four months old. I don't even and think he was that old. He may not have been that old. I don't know. We, You know, he's like, hey, we'll just take him along. You know, get him used to being in the woods. Yeah. And we cut cut Hawk, and he run off in there. And he's about 400 yards and, and uh, looked down. I said, man, where's where's frank he's like well i don't know i said man that ain't like him just leave i mean i can't believe he would leave us and and hawk got treed and we walked in there and uh he was messing around tree with hawk so well hey that's all right you know so by five months old i believe it was uh hawk had went in and got treed and the old dog had uh had missed and as i walked there I looked down and Frank stood up on a tree and got right back down off of it and went to mess around. And I looked up and, and Frank had found a coon, you know, he messed around and found a coon at, at five months old. And so by six months old, um, he was going with Hawk. He wasn't quite, uh, wasn't quite treeing with him yet. And, uh, and we drove around to get closer. Hawk had got treed and we were driving around to get closer and we got out of the truck and you could hear Frank split. It was the first time he'd ever opened, let alone treed. And he was split from Hawk about 50 yards and i mean he was just hammered and uh you know i know i know folks at home they can't see patrick but he's six foot six and over 400 pounds so he's a big dude and he was moving through the woods to get to old frank on that tree and uh, they they was split uh hawk had treated the kits and and frank had treated the sow up a locust tree i mean he was putting pressure on her and uh from then on i mean there was no looking back frank just turned into a he's quick one of the biggest deals about him he's quick he's uh He'll tree coons behind a dog that runs a straight line. Um, 
he's he's got a decent mouth, but he's just uh, he's one of them dogs. I we don't even know. We we can't decide if you can comp hunt him or not. He'll uh, he'll run a circle and check in, and and I know some people hate it. But uh, you just tell him get back in there, and then he'll make his circle a little bigger, and and he comes back. And as far as you tell him get back in there, he'll just keep doing it. And so you can drop hunt him all night long, and and yeah. you know not have to walk far. But uh, he'll he'll tree him at a hundred or eight hundred. You know that's just his kind of style. Yeah, just whatever so, it takes to get him. Whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah. And he's about six months old when he started. started yeah, out. when he really started, about six months. I think after he split there that night with Hawk, um, we just. I said, forget it. Hawk had enough holes in him that we thought. I said, I'm just going to hunt him by himself. He can do it on his own. So I think it was by seven months, you know, um, he treated his first one. I mean, just legit got in there by himself and treat it. And, yeah, there was no looking back. We started hunting by himself, and that's pretty much what he done. Yeah. So. How many nights a week y'all usually hunt? I don't know. We uh, It's hard to say because – you know, it's it's hard to even call us good coon hunters. In the summertime, we slack pretty bad. I'll be honest with you. There's uh, flatheads to catch in the summer. Yeah, yeah. There's other things to do in the summer that don't involve the ticks and the chiggers. But we we probably hunt. You know, when it's cool enough and everything. I mean, we're I don't know, average three nights, four nights, probably three and a half nights a week. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not a seven night a week deal. Um, I've got two little kids, and so that that keeps me from hunting as much as I used to. Or as much as I'd like to, but that I mean that's okay. Yeah, you know, and that's... Patrick's too busy keeping up with that list of places to go. Kill exactly, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yes, yeah. He's trying to keep all his customers Jess, happy. What's it worth for you to, for me to come kill your coon? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So how old's Frank now? Frank is uh, he's coming on coming on three coming on three years old this summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, talk a little bit about what's been going on with him here lately. Man. What what what's, what started it? And what you found out and where we're at today. Yeah, that's uh we're we're going through a tough deal with him, poor old dog. Uh we uh we hunted him all season and man, he was just I told Patrick when we started the season, I said, We're gonna we're gonna call him finished. I mean, he was just accurate as could be. Mm-hmm. He was starting to tree um, you know, he he tree it didn't matter ten degrees, it it didn't matter. He he'd tree some layups when he needed to. I said, man, this is it. You know, we finally got us a dog. All these years, we've really got something here. And then, uh, round about late January, he uh, he missed a couple times, and it it was real uncharacteristic. And I thought, well, you know, it's the rut, and he's he's still young. We'll we'll get his mind right, you know. And and man, it got worse and worse. And then it wasn't very long, and and uh, I mean, he was acting like just not himself. Mm-hmm. He would just. Wouldn't even go hunting on a recut. Yeah, yeah. There were crazy things that he would have never done. Um, you know, uh, crazy odd slick tree. And it wasn't like, it's like, man, I, I really feel like something's wrong with him. You don't want to just overcorrect him if something's wrong. And so um, finally I, I had enough. You know, I was just like, I can't I can't take this anymore. And so we, we took him in and uh, had him tested. And sure enough, uh, you know, uh fears came true he's a low thyroid dog and it's like man you know all after all this and so we started him on medication um and they started low dose and um and about a week and a half in uh he had a couple seizures on me i had him out in the yard just hanging out and he just he just had a seizure and then got back up and he was fine and so i called the vet and they said well bring him back and and they checked it again and it was even lower even though he was on meds they said he's it's just too low so we've upped it again, and so we're trying to get him back, you know, because yeah. the poor dog just wants to hunt, and he gets out there and he tries, but it's just like 
you can tell it's like it just took the tools from him. Yeah. I mean, it it hurts him as much as it hurts me, you know. Yeah, and it, this this is not just a. I, I mean, Daniel's really holding back. I, I've tried to get this dog from Daniel's <laughs> for since day one. Uh, th- this dog will treat coons. Uh, the, I, the one fault with him is we don't know him, right? It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the only fault. Um, you you know, when, whenever I first met Daniel and I heard about this dog, and I said, man, he. He, he would be a great comp dog. And I, and I know they say a lot, you know, there, there's there's none of those dogs that nobody knows about out behind the bar. Right. But this was one um, <laughs> until he until he exposed him to the wrong meat hunter. Right, yeah. And, and, and I've been on Daniel ever since. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, he, well, I mean, this thyroid thing's got him cheaper, but I don't know, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I hate that because I, I know he was doing really good for you and and it's a bad deal. I mean, y'all know I, I lost Ranger here yeah, you know, oh, just, yeah. just a few months ago. And when you put that much time oh, no, and, yeah. and boot leather and tires and gas right, and right. everything into a dog and, mm-hmm. and then you lose them or they get mm-hmm. bad sick and uh, it, it's just a bad deal all the way around. I mean, um, you know, I look back now and he wasn't perfect by no means. Right. Um, I think he w- he was going to make a, a good comp dog eventually, but for a pleasure hunter, somebody would have been sure. really happy yeah. with him. Yeah. And so now I look back and I think, man, was I too hard on him sometimes? <laughs> right. Yeah. You always think that with him too. You really do. You think that. And so that's what I thought with Frank. I thought, man, I ought to get on him, you know, and I thought, nah, we'll get him tested. And luckily, luckily we did that first. Cause yeah, when you get that much time in him, you know, yeah. you hate for something to happen to him. Cause it's like you can't help but grow attached to one that you take night after night after night, you know, and by yourself, and you just spend hours and hours together. And so it's hard not to get attached to them yeah, in that well, way. Well, and even with Ranger, I mean, I was loading him in the front seat of my work truck yeah. and hauling him to the lawnmower shop when I go get lawnmower <laughs> blades. I mean, he's walking through the lawnmower shop. I mean, this, yeah. he was obedient trained. Right, and, yeah. I mean, there was, there was a lot of time put in sure. you know, to get Absolutely. a dog that way. So. Um, you know, to lose one young or one get bad sick right. young, I mean, when you spent time like that in them, I mean, they're not just sitting in a kennel. Right. And, you know, I think I, I think some people don't understand that maybe not hunters, maybe somebody that listens to this that is curious about coon hunting and what we do with the dogs. And, you know, they in their mind, they, I think that some of them have the picture of the dogs just sitting in the kennel all the time. Sure. They, they don't yeah. understand that that dog's also part of the part of your family absolutely and and you're out there spending time with them yeah yeah you know yeah the kids wool on them things like you know you let them loose every evening and and the kids wool all over them which i think i mean that's part of what makes a dog a dog i know they you know you don't want to love on them and pet them and you've heard that from a million old timers you know uh but uh i mean my grandpa's was like i had grandpa's on both sides that coon hunted and they both would say that you know, but I, I just don't agree with it because my kids wool all over them, yeah. and I, I think it's good for them. But yeah, they get attached to them, and you can take them to town. You can take them. Uh, we got one. We uh, we do a little shoot every week. We shoot black powder, and uh, we've got my cousin's got one. Well, that pup we got off you, and and she runs around and hangs out with us all day. You know, yeah. she lays around with us, and and we have a good time with her. And so, well, yeah, they they get to be part of the part of the friend group for sure. You know, and and I I was told the same thing. You don't you just put them in the pen, you hunt them, you don't you don't yeah. you don't treat them like yard dogs and you know stuff like that. But and I did do that. I went through a time where I did that. But as I got older, I realized, 
I, I want this dog to do more than just treat coons. I, I want to be able to have a handle of some sort sure, of dog. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have different pet peeves and a lot of um, traits and things they don't like about a dog. And, and I guess mine is when I call that dog, I want him to come Absolutely. to me. Yeah. Um, I, th- that will drive me yep. more crazier than anything else. Yep. Now, if, he, if he's treed or she's treed in there, I, I would love to have one that would come off that tree to me and not affect them anyway. But if they get treed, I'll go to them. It don't matter right. where they're at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if they're out there running or mm-hmm. they've been trailing ain't, and, and ain't really struck nothing, I need to get them to get out of there or something. I, I want to be able to call that dog to me. And I think a lot of people get into coon hunting, think I'm going to buy a dog and tomorrow I'm going to go hunting <laughs> and we're going right. to treat coons. Right, and, yeah. You know, they, they hear these podcasts, they see YouTube videos, they see the magazines, and they're thinking, hey, we'll just get a dog and we'll be coon hunting. Sure, tomorrow. well, hey, that, yeah. That's how I thought it yeah. worked. I'm still trying to get that dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. on paper that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why I like to get them, you know, as soon as they're weaned and, and start messing with them. I mean, the easiest thing to do is teach them how to come to you in the yard. You know, you yeah, can teach yeah. if you can teach them all that stuff before you get to the woods, how to load in a box how to not be just overstimulated by everything that's going on. And if you can teach them all that way before you ever start pushing them hunting, then all they've got to think about is hunting. Yeah. And and so coming to you and then listening and doing this and that, that's all second nature. Yeah. Well, I don't know how the puppy that your cousin's got is, but those two that I got there at the house, and, and y'all know where I live, it's way out oh, in yeah. the woods. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I let them out and run and – I guarantee you, I can call them from ever how far they go. They don't have no shot collars on them, no tone collars, nothing, and they'll come to me. And I don't know how how she is that your cousin's got, but those, those two got a head full of sense. Oh yeah, well his uh, I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's lack of training or no sense, I but he's got sense, but he might not. <laughs> <laughs> we tell him all the time, you got to put a handle on that dog, and he said, "Well, oh, I didn't yeah. know if I was going to keep it this long or not." And <laughs> the, so she's still sticking around, so we're going we're going to have to, you know. <laughs> Yeah. The dog I had before this one now, she did not have a handle. And when I got this puppy, I decided we're putting a handle <laughs> on this dog. So from the day I got her, we was coming. We was coming to a whistle. We was coming to a tone. Whatever I wanted her to come to, she is coming to. She leads. I mean, we started that at seven weeks old. Yeah. And never yeah. quit. Yeah. I think Frank kind of, you know, for the longest time, I just hunted hard-headed old coon dogs. And, and we didn't care if they had a handle. Uh, that's how it was for my whole life. And since I hunted by myself, we was used to that. And uh, we got a handle on Frank, and it's like, hey, we need to do this with every dog. I know. Yeah. After, yes. after you get it, you <laughs> yeah, realize, yeah. man, what have I been doing? Yeah, Why have we, I been hunting this right. hard-headed dog yeah. all this time when <laughs> I can have something like sure. this where yeah. Yeah. I can actually handle the thing? Right, yeah, and I'm, it loads on its fight, own. I was yeah. fighting the dog trying to lead it out of the timber, and old Daniel just drops his lead and, Frank walks along beside us. Yeah, we got yep. we we He's taught him that one night. Man. You know, hey, if if he drags his lead, he needs to stay close. And so he learned that in like one night. And it's like, man, this is so handy. I'm you getting know? all tangled up in brush, <laughs> and ready to shoot a dog. And... Yeah, well, you you know, over there where I live, up and down the hills over there. I mean, going up it ain't too bad if they're pulling you, <laughs> sure. but coming down if they're You'd, pulling you, yeah. especially a big boy like right. like me or, or you Patrick yeah. I mean we, we'll be head over we're, heels in just yeah. 20 minutes yeah. we're kind of top heavy it's even yeah. getting up <laughs> off balance yeah yeah you need yeah. that handle up in them hills I guarantee you yeah yeah it's some uh well you got to experience some of the walking so oh yeah yeah and we've got some of that too I, oh, we yeah. always tell you we've got it easy but uh we've got some of that hunting I, I tell you our, our places that are rough terrain like that 
they usually get hunted last on the list of things we're doing. We, we're kind of in a odd place down here. We can be on crop ground within less than an hour. We can be in some real bad Hills or, or somewhere in between. We've got a, a really wide array of terrain yep. right around yep. here in the Southwest corner. I mean, the very corner of Southwest Missouri. Yeah. I know I've done some work just, just South of Neosho here and boy, you can get in some real Ooh, hilly, yeah. hilly country oh, yeah. down McDonald around McDonald County, yeah. around Anderson and Knoll yeah. and that area. You can get in some rough, rough hunting. I'm yeah, sure. we don't, we don't hunt south. We try to go hunt north. Yeah. We don't hunt yeah. south. Well, when we finish this podcast, we go and hunting. And if we start south, <laughs> I ain't gonna be happy. We're, we're gonna take you. We're gonna take you pretty flat. We're gonna be. We're gonna be nice to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, besides the the kennels and, and the music and, and the pleasure hunting. Another reason I wanted to get these guys together, we've, we've become friends over the last two years and they have a different perspective than even what I have because I pleasure hunted and I'm going, I'm going to coon hunt. I don't care if they have another competition, hunt, I'm still going to coon hunt, but I enjoy going to the competition. Hunt. I've been on Daniel about me getting Frank <laughs> and competition hunting him. And, um, I wanted them to give their insight and their input on some of the previous episodes. We haven't come up for a quote unquote, a, a name for this, but, um, you know, I guess it'd be with behind the barn kennel boys or something <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or from the old sawmill. There so you go. Yeah. Whoever sawmill yeah. this is yeah. an office that we snuck into here. I, I really appreciate them letting us sit up yeah. in here if yeah. they know, if not, uh, <laughs> I got my pistol in the truck I'll go back and get it just in case. I think we can take them, yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, not to jump ahead to a, to a certain episode, but we were talking about, um, you know, dogs just kind of being part of the family and, and, and laying around. And Mr. A.L. McSwain, uh, when I interviewed him, he talked about when he was a kid, the dogs just kind of lived under the house yeah. and just kind of mm-hmm. laid around. Dog got run over out in the, out in the road because it was just kind of running free. Um, man, I think there was a lot of good things, you know, in that interview and, and a lot of insight there of even training, because I even asked him about how they train their, their dogs. They didn't have shock collars or tone yeah, collars. Right. I mean, they literally were running these dogs down, <laughs> yeah. getting ahead of them and cutting them off and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. What, what, was there anything that y'all pulled out of that, that I, interview? I was thinking about that same deal. You know, I started with, a. I, I'm not an old man, but I started with a wheat light and uh, no tracking collar. You know, that's just how it was. And we had to cut them off a couple times. We had some uh, big, long check cords, and we would go find deer, and uh, we would we'd get the get the dog. And if they go running after them, you'd call them. And if they didn't stop, why? Eventually, they're gonna get the end of that cord and realize they can't chase them and things like that. But uh, I, when he was saying that, Mr. McSwain, which I got to say, that's so cool that we can do this podcast, listen to this guy who's across the country from me, and hear all these things that he talked about. I mean, this is just so cool. I, You know, the technology behind that's amazing. But he, he talked about running down them dogs, and it's like, man, I, I remember running down my dog a couple times when I was a kid, but I'm really thankful that, that the Lord has blessed us with these uh, with yeah. these garments and dog trees because yeah. we can we can you know bump them with a button and and we don't got to do no running. Yeah, so well, uh, and I I did the same thing. I mean, I was competition hunting when I was 16, 17 years old with no tracking system whatsoever. I mean, all we had was the beep beep. Right. But yeah. I, I didn't have no tracking system, <laughs> and a buddy of mine was like, man, because I I wasn't just 
competition around the house. I was going like into Florida and Georgia, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was traveling a little bit. To yeah. Competition hunting. He was like, you know, you at least ought to get a collar. So if you lose him, somebody can <laughs> yeah. track him. Um, and I was the same way. I mean, if they got to running a deer, you, oh, they're over there on County Road 55. You better get around there and get them cut sure. off before yeah. they, you know, you know, get around. And I guess that goes back to a couple people out pleasure hunting, CBs in the truck. Sure. And communicate. And right. Now we can just pull up that dog truck. Yeah. Well, and times are at. different. You know, we run into that. Um, used to be. Well, if they're running that direction, there's only three or four farmers they can be on, and you knew them all, yeah. and and you know you could go in there and get your dog or whatever. And and now uh, things are so urbanized around us. I mean, we're running into you know there's lots of people. You've got to be able to tone that dog back because there's so many people that are so far disconnected of what you're doing. The only thought in their mind is that you're out there doing harm of some sort. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and some of that goes to the. Uh, Clay Newcomb mentions guard the gate. I mentioned that on Mr. A.L. McSwain's. Mm-hmm. The the property that we turned loose on the one night you, that y'all went on the competition hunt as a spectator with me, that's how I got, that's that piece of property. That's how yeah. I got that piece of property. The guy's cows got out. I stopped and helped him get the cows in, and I stopped and helped him fix the fence. And yeah. he got to ask me what the deal was with the dog box in the truck, and I told him, and he was like, well, here's a key to the gate. You couldn't yeah. hunt all you want to. Yeah. And that's part of some of part of what us as houndsmen, not just coon hunters as houndsmen have forgotten. Just like Mr. AL said, don't none of us own enough land that we can continually right. coon hunt on all the time yeah. or run your dog on. So you got to be a neighbor. You got to be absolutely. You got to be yeah. neighborly to people and take care of their stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, uh, we run into that all the time, you know, Patrick, He's a he's a big lovable character, and, and working in that store, he gets to talking to people and help them out, and and they uh, that's one of the benefits we have is is you know if you're just halfway neighborly to people, then a lot of times you know I mean that's all you got to do, and and that's been the secret for since coon hunting started. I mean you know Mister McSwain talked about that. He knows you know everybody yeah. that that has to find somewhere to hunt, they they realize that. Yeah. And and so that's a that's a key thing nowadays, absolutely, with the way that uh, land's getting busted up, for yeah. sure. And, and also in that, and this didn't really come out in that, but something that I've thought about since then was, you know, some of these dogs on these competition hunts, when when you cut them loose, it's a race to the mile, basically is the way, the way <laughs> yes. I feel. Right. Now, that old female that I got, she'll yeah. slip in there and tree, tree one behind them. Right. She ain't in a big hurry about it, so they may get to the mile and get treated before she does, <laughs> yeah. but... Um, you know, we're, we're getting in certain areas. There's still certain areas of the country that you can still do that. Yep. But, you know, we're getting to the point now really where you, you need that dog that can tree those layup coons again Yep. and not have to go a mile or two in there because you may not have that much, much land. And I think, you know, as pleasure hunters, um, and even Brett Stevens mentioned this about Loner. He's he's not the type of dog that you want to take and go pleasure hunt. He's just not a pleasure type dog. Right. Um, you know, pleasure dogs they they more would pack together. Um, they may not range out as far. Right. But as pleasure hunters, you have that option to make that dog that way. Mm-hmm. You know, where he don't range out that far. Um, and you know, as competition hunters, you you're wanting them to get Coon Street as fast as they can. Sure. So, so basically, they're ambushing coons as they as they come to them. You know, right. they're, yeah. they're hitting those hot tracks. Yeah, I, that's how it was for me. I remember asking my dad, "Why don't we? Uh, 
why don't we competition hunt? You know, we'd hear about it, and he'd say, man, them dogs run a mile in a straight line until they run across coon track is how he described me as a boy, and I thought, why would you want that? You know, I mean, you got to go a mile to get to them. And so that's where, I mean, that's where we are, and I'm hoping that that's kind of how the dogs turn around because I think that a dog that could tree coon behind some of these straight lining dogs, uh, they could beat a few of them too if they're quick about it. You know, a lot of times the dog that hunts close is usually a pretty slow dog, it seems like, but if you get an, get an athletic dog that will hunt a circle close, well, they can, they can beat a few of them, and uh, I think we're going to see a shift into dogs like that in the competition world, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's I, still hard I, to say. I, well, I think you're right. I think we're going to have to eventually because, I mean, there's family farms every day getting sold and busted yeah. up in, in the smaller tracts of land. Yep. And for us to be able to coon hunt that, you, instead of having permission from one person, you're going to have to have permission from five or 10 right. or 15 people yeah. to continue to hunt that large tract of land. The chances of all those people being okay with you being on them is not very, very high for sure. Right. So I, I think um, I think that goes to the good handle on a dog, and I don't know. I, I mean, I want a dog that tree coons. I, I'm I'm competitive. I want to win when I go to competition hunts, but at the same time, I don't want a dog running by coons. I want if, sure. there, if there's yeah. coons between here and that mile, I want them to tree. And if they're not, and it takes them a mile to do it, okay, so sure, be it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, if there's coons in there, I, I want them treeing them. Mm-hmm. You know for sure. But um, is there anything else, y'all? y'all liked about that interview or stood out to you with Um, Al? You know, it just, (laughs) I loved how he talked about, like you said, the dogs just run around the house. Um, He had so many dogs and and how he loved to, he loved to possum hunt too. I thought that was really cool. Um, We joke about that all the time. You know, uh, we say, if we were being honest, it's so much fun to hear a dog get treed. And uh, now, Granted, we want our dogs to tree coons. That's what we're out to do. But I, I threaten all the time, I'm just going to have me a sole possum dog yeah. in my kennel that I can go out there and just, you because we'll see, I mean, literally, we'll see yeah. 10 possums a night, yeah. you know, while we're coon hunting. And it's like, you can tree a possum every 100 yards if you want to. And and I love how AL had that, you know, back in the day, that's that's what they did because, I mean, that you had to. and And my grandpa would even say, uh, when when we got old Hawk, he said, uh, he said, "How's your new dog doing?" And I said, "Well, Grandpa, it's, it's not too good. You know, he's a uh, he's got a possum problem. I'm trying to break him in them possums." And he said, "Boy, don't you break him in them possums?" And he said, "When when I was hunting, the coons was twenty dollars and the possums was five, and you could tree four possums and one coon in a night, and you'd have gas money off of your possums and <laughs> have your good coon hide, you know." And so I I thought that that was neat that that uh, you know they wasn't too proud. Uh, to be possum hunters you know that's yeah. kind of cool <laughs> well even and we've talked about this um on the phone before when this podcast starts um with the intro there and rangers added on to the end yeah that to me i, I love that, that gargling oh yeah yodeling Shaky. Lo- locate yeah. that he has but when he does that he's treated possum. he's got a slick tail <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh I know we were, uh, I took him to one, one PKC hunt right before he got sick over here in Oklahoma and first turn out, we turn him loose and dogs go left. He goes over here to ride about 50 yards and he lets out that big locate <laughs> Tyler turned and looked at me and he said, 
you going to tree that dog? I said, he'll never stay. Because he'd got where he would tree him. He'd leave. But, but yeah. he knew that was wrong, and he'd leave. leave and he, he let that big locate out, and the next bark he made was on the ground. And Tyler said, I guess you know your dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he goes over there and trees a slick tree, and it sounded horrible when he come on that tree. Right, so. well, yeah. I mean, you just never know. But, yeah, it's like it, it makes you smile and it makes you cringe at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I, I want my dog tree and coons, but I, I, I love to hear a dog in the woods at night. Sure, I, I mean, yeah. you know, my my wife, I, I, I have coon hunted since I was four years old. That That's the first memory I have. Yeah. I probably, my daddy was probably took me prior to that, but my first memory was my dad with a, old pair of gray red bone dogs that were tree coons and then my stepdad also coon hunted and he had a dog kind of like frank i mean he was a coon treer uh you just you could turn him loose in the middle of town in the osho and that yeah. joker he'd get on their coon somewhere <laughs> and um he he just never they tried to get him to competition hunting he just never would and um those pair of red bones my dad had i mean they they would treat a fire out of coons but you know they tree a few possums here and there and yeah I never, I never remember my dad getting on to him about them. You know, he'd say, "Well, they're tree dogs. That's what they're, that's what they're bred to do. Yeah, is tree." Yeah. And of course, you know, they wasn't no tracking systems or, you know, none of that. Right. Stuff. <laughs> my, my family wasn't going to spend no money like that on no, the tracking system. no way, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we jumped ahead a little bit um, to Mr. Al's interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of good things to pull out of there, and I think one of the things you're talking about technology and being able to have him on the podcast, him being across the united states like that that was part of my dream with this my vision with this podcast is to preserve history yeah i I mean because when he's gone if nobody got those stories out of him their stories are gone so i think that's a great thing that you know i'm trying to do here that tyler's doing that mr allen's doing steve filter's doing josh michaela's chris powell i think all, all those guys are may not be meaning to do that but that's part of what they're doing they're preserving part of our history part of our sport just like football baseball whatever has you know the hall of fame and you go in there and they have all the you know history stuff about that person and the sport and this is what a glove looked like and this is what i mean we need to have that for for our yeah our our sport is just as important as that to to me right absolutely absolutely and you know and probably more so even the competition hunters. I mean, because when, when we get done here, we're going to go turn dog loose, stand around tailgate, and talk some more. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, we, we're going we're to create our own history. But yeah, you know, with, yeah. with competition hunters, you have these $100,000 payout hunts now and world hunts. And, I mean, those guys did not get up yesterday morning and go, I'm going to go down to Mississippi and enter the Jarvis Humphreys. <laughs> memorial hunt to win a hundred thousand dollars right with a dog these these guys have put some time in in the woods to get those dogs there yeah um you know whether they call it pleasure hunting or getting a dog tune up or whatever they were spending time in the woods with that dog to get them ready so we're gonna back up here just a minute so we can pick up mr brett stevens uh interview there uh with Lori and star and Mm -hmm. lona what one of the i guess one of the things there that you know i really picked up on was not so much what he said, but how he said it was, especially with Loner, well, and even Star. The, the we'll start with Star. He 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 bought that female on a on a whim over here. He called a guy and was unsure if he was going to be able to get the female, and 
uh, ended up being able to get the puppy. Then the guy called him, and all the puppies are dying. And yeah. I mean, you, you know, y- y'all know you got time, you got money invested in dogs. Oh, as soon yeah. as they start calling, saying other puppies in this litter dying, I mean, that kind of freaked me out a little. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's always one you like, you know. Yeah. I mean, one that one that's one that's acting like it's smart and acting right. And I know I listened to that whole thing. It was like just on the edge of your seat thinking what's going to happen to this dog next, yeah. you know? And then he talks about him falling in that bucket of water and just happenstance that they were happened to be out yeah. there, you know, and, and saved him. And it's like, man, <laughs> I, you about want to wrap him in bubble wrap to take him hunting, yeah. man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, you know, the issues ahead with the, with the pregnancy and, you know, of, of loner being born and, um, which I mean, y'all got to see him that night because he we yeah ended, we ended yeah. up drawing out on a cat yeah. Not, what are the odds it, of that? I guess by accident. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, know. I don't know. Yeah, we were standing there and they were drawing out in the clubhouse and we got down to the last cast and I'm like, me and Brett just drawed out together. Yeah. <laughs> How this this is crazy. Well, we got out in the woods and I heard him say, you know, he struck. I didn't know anybody there other than you. I mean, we didn't know what was going on. We were just spectating and and I heard him say, you know, strike loner, and I'm like was this that dog? I just, I just listened to this podcast, you know, and, yeah. and then afterwards, you know, I talked to Brad a little bit and, and super nice guy. I said, well, man, I've heard a lot about your dog already, you know, and I, yeah. and I got to see him go in the woods. And so, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. He's got a good mouth on him. For he sure. does. I, Absolutely. I really, really yeah. like his mouth for sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move forward from that and let's talk about Jason Keene. I, I really like that guy. I, I don't know him personally. We've talked on the right. phone some, and then of course we've done the interview, but and some of his insights that that he has on coon hunting and his mindset. And I love the little thing he said that I put at the first of the podcast that if you're going to make a hound, you got to stop watching Gunsmoke yes. and get off Facebook. I, yeah. I think that speaks so loudly. Oh, man. Because I see a lot of people on Facebook still. Yes. And, and, I, and I am guilty right. number one of watching – Gunsmoke, <laughs> yeah, and being on Facebook, sure, so. man, yeah. I mean that. I agree that one. I've probably used that phrase a hundred times since he said that on there. Um, it's so true. You think of the nights you go out there by yourself and you put on all this time, and I don't know how many nights. Well, the night we came home from that uh, from that comp hunt, we got home at midnight, and it was just a perfect night. You know, yeah. we had a front push through. I mean, we were we were talking about it on the way home, and I and I said, man, we you know Frank could he could. He could have done all right. We we were still unsure about his situation. What time and we get home? Midnight it's about or midnight. Yeah, yeah. And I and I was walking in the house and Patrick was leaving. I said, "Hey, my stuff's charged up." You could hear Frank out there whining. You know, I said, "Let's go." And so we went. And uh, don't get me wrong, we're guilty of a uh, of sitting around by the fire oh, yeah. on some nice nights. We should be out. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, J- Jason Keene, man, he had so many things that resonated with us uh, as pleasure hunters too. I mean. Things people all the time want to, they want that pup trainer. You know, they always talk about wanting that pup trainer. And, and I get it. I can see how, you know, that old dog may teach him a little bit on, on how to stay put, how to stay at the tree. Then you're going to get there, you know, just hang tight, that kind of deal. But growing up, we had one dog at a time. And so when that dog died or whatever, you got another dog and then you started it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we started dogs. When a puppy can do it on its own, you take that dog every night and you may have nights that just drive you insane and you know you go a while without seeing a coon but but if you put in the time by themselves i feel like personally that makes a lot better dog and and he he kind of said the same thing i I think and and so i really i really liked his insight on on how he 
how he handled dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was really good. And I, I really liked, uh, you know, what he said there about, about, you know, getting off Facebook and basically <laughs> watching TV and, um, and, and, and he wasn't scared. I mean, you know, he, he had this leopard hound that was really good hound. Then he ended up with the other leopard hound that ended up being a really good hound, but he also knew to compete. Yes. That he had to go a different route. Right. And so, I mean, he, and he's hunting a, I mean, you can see him on Facebook. Yeah. He's hunting a walker dog yeah. right now. He, he knows what it, what it takes to compete. Right. Um, and, yeah. and whether you agree with it or not, you got to respect the guy for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause oh, absolutely. He, he's, uh, he's doing what it takes, takes for it to, com- to compete out there. Yeah. We talk all the time about, well, you know, if we didn't have these English dogs, what would we have? And, and it's like, we don't, we don't care. If the dog's got the brains and the handle and, and we think we can do it and we think, you know, it'll get out there and suit us, I, I'm fully convinced Patrick would, would hunt a poodle if if uh I if tell it, him all the time I'm gonna get me an Airedale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you hear the old timers talk about them dog Airedales and stuff like that that was just coon treeing machines and so I don't care what it is. You know, we'll uh we like to we like to hunt, we like to spend time with our friends. And uh, we like to see eyes looking down, and so um, I'm not I'm not one of those only English guys. I mean, I've I've probably had them all over the years, but uh, yeah. I, I like that about Jason. Yeah, he said you get what out there, what's going to compete, what's going to do good, then then you know what you're up against. You know, yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Well, briefly, we'll touch on the bench show when we miss Natalie Atkins. Uh, it was kind of short, and we're going to get together and do some more. I wanted to have someone on because I don't really think a lot of when it, in our competition kind of lane, I don't think a lot of light is shined on that part. And I think that's a lot of uh, entryway to a lot of people into the competition hunting is the bench show. And one of the things that I really picked up on, cause I kind of mess with mine a little bit on the bench just cause I might would start showing them if I could have enough patience to get them to stand still, but <laughs> you know, it was, you got to get that head first. And I, I, I think that, speaks not only to bench showing but in anything you're dealing with a dog you you, you got to have that dog to understand you you, you got to yeah. mentally have its head and bench show physically have its head right yeah there was i mean well obviously we know nothing we know nothing about comp hunting we know even less about bench showing yeah. and i listened to it and tried to soak everything up i could um and I, really one thing i kept thinking about was the way she talked about how much time you put into these dogs getting them ready for these bench shows and, and teaching them what to do. It's just more handling of your dog. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing that's a downside to any of that. And, and the other thought was, you know, if you've got kids, I've got a couple young girls, um, that may be what gets them started. They may not be big enough to quite go, you know, on their own in the woods or, mm-hmm. or, or go call their dog or whatever, but they can at least show up and maybe meet some other kids you know, at a bench show, even their local show, and and I mean that's that's going to light a fire under them too. So yeah. I, I thought that was some pretty cool insight. Yeah, and and I, I guess one of the things you know, I guess I already knew it, but until you know she started talking about how much time is put into handling that dog from the time it's a little bitty puppy, and I, I mean. Because, I mean, I see these pictures of these dogs, and they're standing up there like statues. And I put on Facebook a picture of her with that walker dog. and I mean, it's literally standing like a statue up there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this joker I got at the house is spinning around on the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of time, you know, spinning. I mean, Star, my old female, she's a she's a show champion, not nothing that I did. 
because um, I, I I try to work them and I, I lose my patience. I don't know why I just lose my patience quickly right, trying yeah. to do that. But I, I have since talking to her, try to do better with not worrying about everything else and just trying to focus on getting them to hold their head still. And that tricolor female I got at the yeah. house, I'm, I'm I've been working her some and and she's gotten better. It just you know it takes repetition of doing it over and over, and it's it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Absolutely. To, yeah, to do, undoubtedly. To I mean, yeah, some of these dogs, that, <laughs> you know, and I, I admire some of these dogs that can hunt real well and then show real well because oh, yeah. a lot of these dogs that hunt good, they got big motors on them. They ain't going to hold still. Yeah. I mean, it's just simply not going to happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we, uh, before we, I forget, before we move on, we'll take a break right here to let, let hear a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. I'm here today to tell you about one of our sponsors, Cocky's Outdoors. Whether you need a few dog collars or the whole setup, they can fix you up. They have a wide range of products from hound hunting to fishing. My friends over at Cocky's Outdoors can help you out. You can order online at conkeysoutdoors.com. Call them at 904-692-1568, 904-692-1568, or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, go by and see them. Again, that's at conkeysoutdoors.com because we support people who support our way of life okay we're back so uh the last episode was with mr chuck henson and man i've talked to him on the phone and boy he's just a down-to-earth guy he uh, serves this county as a, a police officer there with the county and i just i think that's a, a great deal there and the uh he really gave me some inspiration for for my my female. You know, she's she's getting on up there in age, and you know, I was thinking, you know, she's probably getting pretty close to retirement. And then I interview him, and he talks about with it being whatever seven eight years old. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, winning the Winter Classic. And I know. Placing twelfth in it's the kind of cool. And, yeah. And, you know, so I'm thinking, well. Maybe maybe she ain't done. Maybe yet. there's hope yet, Jason. <laughs> yeah, get her back in there, buddy. So, yeah. uh, but one of the things that I really, uh, I really thought was cool was, you know, he, he's won those things, but, you know, just meeting the people, hanging out with the people, that that just means a lot, lot to him, you know, and and even talking to him, you can tell that, you know, it just, and I think that's a big. Uh, important thing of our sport that maybe on the comp side we've lost a little bit because people are showing up just in time to pay their entries and you know they're parking over there to the side and nobody's really hanging out talking and yeah i mean well y'all know i like to talk anyway (laughs) i mean that's the reason why i'm doing a podcast (laughs) but but you know i think what chuck was saying was i remember when i was younger going to these comp hunts i mean you'd show up at 10 o'clock in the morning and the yard would be full and you stayed there all day and you ate and you had tree and contest and bench yeah. shows and you know people hung out and they just talked talked about dogs and talked about we tree this many coons and that many possums <laughs> and that dog run a deer and yeah you know and i think i, I think there's that's a part of the sport that that we've lost it's, it's become more of a you know we're showing up to go to work type thing. Right. It's, well, there's it's a business now. Yeah, there's yeah. money involved, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we feel like we probably don't get to meet as many people because we don't comp yeah. hunt. But, it, I mean, at the same time, yeah, you're saying maybe maybe there's not as much camaraderie at the comp hunts. Because we used to go to trade days. Uh, yeah. We had local trade days, and it was like that. 
you know, the first time I ever went, there was a tree in contest and they had breakfast. If, if and, you weren't there at six thirty, you weren't getting a spot in the first three Yeah. Lines. I yeah. mean, it was full up, you know, and now it's it's kinda slowed down and so we I think that's how we got into the meat hunts and met you. I mean, without that yeah. we'd have never met you and I I don't even know, we just kinda wanted to I think we were like, Well, we're a little scared to go get whipped in a comp hunt. Let's just see if we can donate money yeah, at a meat hunt, you know? We're scared to get whooped in a comp hunt, but boy, we'll whoop them in a meat <laughs> hunt. <laughs> so I, I think we I think we got lucky a couple times there. And That's but we exactly got exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. But we got to meet some some really cool people just through that. Um, you know. So I, I think, yeah, it's absolutely a big part of it. I do know that one comp hunt we went on, sure, you're out there to do a job, you're trying to win, but it's like Boy, this is awkward because you're waiting on the dogs and you're kind of just sitting there. And, you know, usually when we're hunting, we're we're talking, having a good time. Oh, yeah, we'll shut up when we hear the dogs do something, you know. But, but I mean, you, you, you lose know a me. lot. I'm a, I'm a trash talker. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as we cut them dogs and everybody just shut up, I said, this ain't for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Patrick, will, he'll take the pot liquor in there and, and he'll turn it loose and then talk trash the whole time his dog's running a deer. You know, you just... You never know. Hey, at least she's opening it on track. <laughs> <laughs> He's always finding the bright side, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I get it. You know, I get why. And that's what I think when we went home that night. I said, I understand why they do that, why they do what they do. But it's it's just not – it's just not for us. Yeah. <laughs> not well, that it won't ever be. I mean, well, I, don't I never, know. There may be more people that feel like we do and obviously like Chuck does. I mean, that's that's what, what he was saying was, you know, those people come down, Brett and some of these other guys come down and they stay with him and they hang out and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're staying at his house. Yeah. And then he goes up to the world and he stays with another buddy of his that lives, you know, not far from there. And, you know, that was part of what's important mm-hmm. to him. And, and I think there still are some, some people like that. Because I know when we have a hunt at our club, I, I try to, you know, somebody's parked over there by themselves, I'd at least try to go introduce myself to them right. and, yeah. you know, talk to them. Yeah, that's how we met. That's Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, for the most part, coon hunters are talkers for the most part. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, maybe not everybody, but for the most part they are. So yeah. if, you, if you go strike a conversation up with them, I mean – you, you, you might be there for a little while, <laughs> especially if you strike it up with one of us three. Sure, you're, you're going to sure. be there for a yeah. while. But um, I, anyway, I, I just really thought that was uh, a really strong message. Yes. Maybe that he didn't mean to, to send, but, um, you know, through the winning and the hunting, that was something that was important to him. And I can see where from when I was – 15, 16 years old going to comp hunts to today, how that's changed over the years. So, yep. and like I said, I think there's still some that show up early and, you know, and hang out and talk right. and um, stuff like that. But I don't think it's as common as it used to be. Yeah. I think it's almost a common theme on some of these guys, these guys that even do a lot of winning, you know, just like him. Um, but they all, they all almost always circle back to that. You know, they get to the end of the interview and it's like, yeah, I just can't believe all the awesome people I've met doing this. Yeah. And and I'm the same way. And I haven't been to no world hunt or nothing, but it's still, it's the same deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love to do it, but I've got to meet some of the greatest people doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, especially nowadays, hunters, you know, can get a bad rap um, in the public eye. Not, maybe not even meaning to. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe something's portrayed a different way than, you know, what it's meant or they understood it or whatever. And, 
I think I think the money hunts to me uh, these bigger hunts I think they're good because they're bringing the sport up to the public eye they're bringing it to mainstream absolutely so you know whereas before we just they thought well, that's just a bunch of rednecks out there <laughs> right yeah you know or hillbillies sure. or whatever out there coon hunting you know so um you know whereas is now i mean you, you start hunting for a hundred thousand dollars i mean people's going to take notice mm-hmm. people that are not involved in coon hunting is going to take notice oh absolutely yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah when they hear that kind of money being thrown around i mean they're gonna well, now, what what are you going out there and doing for you know a chance at a hundred thousand dollars, and and I've even heard it said they televise everything. One of these days we may see you know the TOC on the television. Yeah. SPN Ocho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, I could I could see it happening. I mean, sure. You know we're I, I've heard Steve Fielder and Josh Michaelis, and I, I I don't mean any disrespect to either one of them um, at all, but. You know, Steve. Steve says the golden age of coon hunting is gone. Josh says we're in it now. I kind of see both of them's point because I come from both yep. of them. I, I seen the, the competition hunts back in the day, and you show up, and the fields are full of people, and people are hanging. Out. And so I see what Steve's saying, and I see what Josh is saying now about you know the money and how the sports. Go. I don't think we've hit the golden age yet because I think the sport is moving forward to the point of it will be mainstream if we keep going the way we're going. Yeah, I hope so. Um, right. you know, some of the registries are going to have to, I think PKC and Joy Dog Food kind of join together, and I think that's a start. And some of these other registries are going to have to you know, kind of come together and pull in some bigger name sponsors. But, I mean, I, I think it's going in that direction um, where it could – where we could be actually going into the golden age of coon hunting. Cause I mean, there's some guys kind of probably the top 5% maybe of handlers that are coon hunting for a living. But if that goes from 5% to 30, 40, where you <laughs> yeah. can go out and make a living coon right. hunting and you're not skinning a coon to do it. Sure. You're, you're just, you know, hunting a dog and yeah. scoring points and, winning cast and you're getting sponsored by this and sponsored by that where you can go out and competition i mean to me that that kind of puts it in the golden age it kind of does you know i'm sure there was a point in time they probably never thought you'd be catching largemouth bass you know for a living yeah but there's a lot of people doing that now too you know i don't know (laughs) i mean i guess uh you know, you have your Toyota out there. I guess we can get Doctor to sponsor you. We just Man, plaster it all the way down the side, all right. like, like a bass boat. I'm picturing Frank with Doctor just freeze branded down the freeze side. Freeze branded, yeah, yeah. Whatever we got to do, yeah. you know. I guess follow the money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they had those bass boats all lettered oh, yeah. up, and wrapped. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That could be the future. I, I, I guess. I mean, I you know, I don't know. I I'd say anything's possible for it. I I I agree. It's uh, it's going places. We, yep. we don't know exactly what it's going to do, but it's, I mean, there's more money in it now than I've ever, it, you know, in the last 10 years, it's just yeah. grown and grown. I, so. I mean, every weekend you can go pay $1,000 at least yeah. somewhere. In right. Hunt. And, I mean, I, I, I remember when I was younger, I would have never dreamed of paying $100 right. to pay an yeah. entry fee to go hunt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, these guys are paying 1000 2000 4000 $6,500 entry fees. And, you know, it's just all over the place. I mean, you got PKC, uh, you know, putting on these big hunts, pro sport, 
uh, which don't don't get talked about a lot. And uh, hopefully, I can get Greg on here one day and we can talk about it. But uh, you know, they're they're giving trucks away. Uh, yeah, that's and, that's uh, one of the things that you know, blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they they give four wheelers away to youth and yeah, uh, you know, for winning. And, I, and I'm thinking, I, I I do I do see what Mr. Steve's saying because I, I do think there was a age back in the day that was of everybody coming together kind of like a, like we're doing tonight a bunch of mm-hmm. pleasure hunters coming together and just you know pleasure hunting having a good time they showed up at the competition hunts they're hanging out the numbers were bigger um you know back then of uh, people showing I, I see what he's saying but they put a 64 dog i think it was whatever four thousand dollar i don't remember what the right. entropy yeah. was in mississippi right. yep and it sold. They filled her quick. Quick, yeah. To the point that they had to have a second hunt. I mean, um, yeah, that, that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, I mean, to guys like us, we. I mean, we don't even hear about a lot of this stuff in, until social media came out, and it's like people are going doing this. Hey, Patrick, did you realize? You know, we could we could go make all this money, and he's like, yeah, we're gonna need better dogs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually our comment. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm afraid if we try to make money at it, we won't have near as much fun. Yeah, you know, well, that's the crazy thing. You're dependent on a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, they're still dogs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd have to. I probably have to get closer to some some better handlers than I am, so I can, <laughs> I can kind of get my notebook out as we walking through the woods. Sure. Right, right yeah. Now. Yeah. Maybe that's why I pay my entry fee, and I and I maybe I just start judging, or I'll be writing their little tips on the back <laughs> of the scorecard. That's uh, like we showed up at that uh, that RQE. You know, he's going to just spectate with you. And, and uh, Cheyenne Cummins, he said, "Did you bring your your little English dog?" And I said, "No, I don't know a thing about this comp hunt." And he said. Well, boy, it's easy. You just need to know how to strike and tree them. And I remember thinking, eh, I think there's probably a little more strategy to it than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, there, there is. Um, and I've tried to strategize, and that, that usually catches me right. in, yeah. in a bad way, not, yeah. not a good way. It, it's usually better just call the dog and what, what the How it is, yeah. It is yeah. what it is. Sure, you know? yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and I see what Josh is saying about how things are going now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see where he, he he's seeing that. But I, I think we're just right on the cusp of, especially you have all these podcasts now. And, um, you know, Clayton Stark, he has, a, he has a podcast and a YouTube channel. And they've got him to come in, you know, doing stuff with UKC now. And I, I think we're right on the cusp of this thing really busting wide open. Yeah. I mean, Cause what's next? I mean, now you've had a right. hundred thousand dollar hunt in Mississippi. Yeah, is it going to stop there? I don't think so. I don't think so. You yeah. know, I think we're we're just at the first step of going to the next level. And I mean, when when guys are not out there having to skin coons and roll hides up or flesh them or whatever, you know, they 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 were doing back in the day with them, mm-hmm. and they're showing up with their dog, and they've got enough equipment on them that you know you can buy cheap truck off craigslist with and, <laughs> yeah um, yeah know, st- stuff like that and they're actually making a living doing this i mean i think that puts it in the golden age time yeah at that point. i mean I, that's kind of unheard I just don't of think, i don't i think we're just at the bottom of it i don't even think we yeah i don't think we've up. seen how far it can go no i mean we're, we're not even close to to petering out on that that's yeah. uh it's it's got some room to grow for sure yeah i i, I think so and you know 
I think that may bring, bring more people like y'all that are it playing. Might. Than probably it might. It might. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I know I, one guy It will not. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, we, we took off through there, and them guys said, let's walk, and they took off. And uh, I walk fast, but you, what do you do? What did you call it? I amble. He ambles. He ambles, <laughs> ambles through the woods. Yeah. I ambled about 400 yards along with them, and they said the dogs are 700 yards farther on and still going, and I ambled back to the truck. He reached yeah. his hand out and said, give me your truck keys. I'll meet you at the truck when you're done. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 is. It, it is. A, it is a lot of walking, and it, and it takes, especially when you're coming from pleasure hunting, it takes some getting used to because, I mean, that dog getting there a mile, that's let's go to a truck we'll just drive around just drive this. around yeah well yeah. yeah and then you know other things of that night you know was like there's some squabbling going on and i know not every cast is like that i get that but but you know i was telling patrick i said this is kind of like when when for music me music would you know get to be a headache or be a job or something you didn't enjoy well that was the whole reason you did it you know and then same deal i'm like man if i don't enjoy this i don't know about this and and of course there's a you know voting on a tree that's uh that's definitely slick and and they want to circle it and i'm like man i don't care if it's my dog your dog or the neighbor's dog that tree's slick you know and it's like i don't want to sit out here and argue with people about it when we're at home hunting we're just hey that you think that's slick sure well maybe i don't well it doesn't matter let's cut them again and that's what we do you know and so we i'll say never say never patrick's probably I'm about 99.9% <laughs> never. He said he might drive me to a I, hunt I somewhere. I will drive you to any hunt you want to <laughs> well, go to. Well, maybe maybe if we get into the same hunt somewhere, we can have him as the driver. That we, might. Can, we can sleep on the way. There you go. That might be. And I'll drive to, around the section and pick you up. He will. Yeah. We'll just withdraw. He, we need a yeah. van or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. But Hey, guys. This is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Is your dog box starting to get war? Maybe it's starting to get a little crack like mine is. Maybe you've just been thinking about it's time to upgrade to a, to a new box, but you've asked your buddies and you're just not real sure what direction to go in. Well, let me help you out here. Go check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication Custom Doll Boxes and Aluminum Products on Facebook. You can check out all their custom work they do there and their designs that they do. If you don't see something that you don't exactly like there, Reach out to Nathan at 540-810-5439, 540-810-5439, or send him a message through the Facebook page. I bet he can fix you up. Don't wait till fall to get that new dog box. Go ahead, get that dog box now. Get you uh, get you something looking good in the back of your truck that, that you can be proud of and that you can haul your dog around in comfort. Check my friends out at CZ Welding Fabrication. You won't go wrong. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Get yours today. CZ Welding and Fabrication. Yeah, so uh, we've kind of covered the episodes. Let, let's talk about that comp hunt. That, I mean, you know, that was the, the first hunt that comp hunt that y'all been on. Yeah. And yep. Unfortunately, we were hunting at my house, so the walking was terrible. <laughs> oh, it's, it's tough, um, yeah. It wasn't bad when I quit. We was walking across the <laughs> I was going to say, you stayed pretty low. Yeah, we got up in there. He said, well, she's up over that next hill. Well, that was no little hill, I'll guarantee oh, yeah. you. <laughs> I, could see, I could see it on my uh, terrain map there. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sad. Patrick pulls in. We pulled in there, and he said, uh, my phone shows a lot of really close little squiggly lines. And I said, yeah, and he said, I, that means I ain't going. <laughs> so yeah. it was it was an eye-opening experience. It was 
It was a little different than what I expected. Well, yeah, I mean, even, even just how different the rules are between the uh, the kennel clubs. Yeah, there was a fellow that got scratched on the first tree because he pulled out a thermal and it was a UKC hunt. And I guess yeah. on PKC you can use them, and yeah, UKC you can't. So yeah. he come walking back to the truck. And, Drove off with the fellow I was talking to at the trucks. <laughs> what did so he then say? I sat on the tailgate and listened to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said the bummer was it was dead too, wasn't it? Yeah. It yeah. is not like yeah, it even did him any good, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, there was a lot of things I didn't know yeah. and it, still don't. I mean, and you get caught up in the moment out there. And sure. I, I, this happened to me on a, I think it was a UKC hunt. This has been years ago. Um, Dog got over, got treated by itself. Coon looked at me once. I'm standing out in the field. Dogs are still running. Used to couldn't blow a squaller. And I, with that, just pleasure hunting yeah. habit, reached in the pocket and grabbed that squaller and blew it. And the judge said, man, why did you do that? And I was like, what? It, it, never, it didn't even dawn on me yeah. when he said it. Yeah. And, you know, it got scratched. So, um, you know, you get caught up in the moment and you're, you know, you're so if you're out there pleasure hunting or practicing sure. to go to these yeah. hunts and you're using that thermal, yeah, and it's just muscle memory just right. to grab it yeah. up and <laughs> let's check it. He well, was he was mad when he got back to the truck. He wasn't mad at anybody, just mad at himself because he yeah. got like I said caught up in the moment and lost yeah. his head and got scratched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, you drive all that way, you know, you pay your money, and then first tree that happens, and it's like Patrick said that won't happen when we pleasure hunting. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he true. says, well, you just keep hunting. And I'm like, you're, you're not wrong. I understand. But but uh, it was it was different. You know, uh, I was kind of picking up on the rules as we went along, basically, and, and trying to learn how it worked. And, uh, I mean, it, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It, it makes that two hours go by fast. Oh, yeah. You know, when we hunt, pleasure hunt here, it's like, oh, two hours, you know, we're usually ready to go home. But when you're really timing it out and, and really basing and watching what this dog over here is doing and what this dog's doing – and then pretty soon they're like, you know, eight minutes left in the hunt. And it's yeah. like, man, that was quick You know, when you're really watching it. And I guess it's like watching a football game or something. Yeah, you know? yeah it wasn't no time and you all was down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, well, it probably didn't help me none that we was walking up and down pretty, oh, good, yeah. pretty good hills yeah, and hollers. Yeah. So, I mean, we made two trees in two hours. Yeah. And, and we spent most of those two hours walking. Well, yeah, you said uh, finally your, your dog was long ways in there. You said, well, we may walk to her. And I, I kind of looked back at the direction that my truck was, and I said, "I said, Jason, I'll, I'll see you later, buddy. I'm just walking home. I said, I'm, I'm getting out of here, you know." <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, I've got a good enough handler on her. I called her, and she comes. She too. come back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was I was happy about that. <laughs> and Brett was able to get his dog, and the other guy was able to get his dog, and we was able to get out of there, you know, without absolutely much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I was glad y'all was able to go and kind of be able to. Well, we yeah, can't knock it till like. we try it. At least we got to, you know, yeah. got to see what it's kind of all about. So Yeah. And, you know, you have to go to a few to kind of get get a grip on, you know, okay, this is how it is. Well, I'll let you in on a little secret, too. That's the night we went home. We got home at midnight and grabbed Frank and went out. We said, them dogs never treat a coon in that two hours. Frank do that easy. We took him out. Right. We never did get one treat. <laughs> I think we went home at two in the morning, so we hunted that, about two hours, and we never did treat. Yeah, that <laughs> so, was the night we knew there was something wrong with Frank. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we, we, we was both kind of suspicious on him up until then. But that night we knew. Yeah, we yeah. we uh, we talked him up all the way home from Crane, and then it was like seriously, this uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, sometimes it happens that way. I mean, you know, we had the slick tree, and then a den, obvious den tree, den tree on the second yeah. one for yeah. sure, and then my female was in there deep a thousand yards yeah. or so and 
uh, across those hills and hollers, boy, you, you got to have a dog with a mouth. Yeah. Did now? Did she tree? Did no, she treat? She never did no, get treated in there. She was she was uh, tracking around in there um, when the hunt was over, and I I didn't even let her treat. I just started calling Call for her, her back, and, yeah. and she come to me. Yeah. And thankfully, I can whistle pretty loud, so she yeah. can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, and then then Brett was able to. He called Loner into him, and I think the other guy's dog was treated. He he had to go to had him. to go get him. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just that's just the way it is sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, I hated that we didn't get to see a coon on the outside, but right. sometimes yeah. you just don't. Oh yeah, that's know? facts of life. That's sometimes that's how it goes. So, yeah. But uh, well, we've been out this for an hour, and I'm looking out this window behind Patrick. It's dark. It's getting dark, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, We're gonna have to go see if we can find a coon. I, I, my truck's out of gas. My stomach's out of gas. You I, sound like a real coon hunter, buddy. I gotta eat. And, <laughs> <laughs> or get some snacks at least. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. like kind of like a coon. I just gotta have some yeah. snacks or something to chew on <laughs> while I'm going. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I was glad we was able to get together and do this. I appreciate y'all taking time to, yeah. to sit down with me and do this before we uh, before we go hunting. And hopefully we can get together here in the next couple of months to do this again. And yeah, the, we didn't get shot at this time at the sawmill. So <laughs> no, I think we're safe. Yeah, so well, far. Good thing is, the fellow that owns this can't see, so you. Oh, okay. pretty, pretty we're all right. Yeah. yeah, we're all right. Well, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed th- this episode of the Coonhound Collective podcast. I appreciate uh, Patrick and uh, Daniel uh, taking the time to be on here and talk about these uh, these other episodes and their experiences with pleasure hunting versus coon hunting. And uh, Daniel, I'll publicly thank you for the music that yeah, we have here absolutely. on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I really appreciate it. I, I really enjoy it, and I've kind of tore it all apart and used it in different <laughs> forms. But That's man, right. I, uh, I I really 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 like it, and uh, I really appreciate that. But uh, if y'all don't have anything else, I guess we'll uh, we'll pack this stuff up, and uh, I might have a snack first. But oh, ho- yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll get to see some coon. I I don't know. We got couple puppies and yeah some this dogs be, ain't been hunted we, in a while we, we may not see a coon but i bet we have some fun I'm, yeah. I'm just glad i don't have a dog so whatever happens happens you know i can always say not my dog yeah, so, I, yeah. i've been telling him that for years and he's he been has. just waiting for yeah. me to get a finally dog. Yeah. finally he's got I, one and i I've, still ain't got a dog <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bring his so. yeah well if uh if y'all don't have anything else to add then... oh man no it's been a blast thanks for having us yeah hey, i appreciate it i appreciate y'all taking the time for this well y'all stay tuned for future episodes and we're gonna go tree a coon yeah all right let's hit the woods thanks guys for listening to the coon collective podcast today we really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast if you don't mind head over to facebook and give us a like and head over to instagram and give us a follow it's both at the coon collective also if you would like to reach us here at the coon collective you can reach us at the coon collective at gmail.com if there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about please send it to the coon collective at gmail.com thanks again. Have a great day.